Today we want to continue our series from the book of Colossians, and we want to uh, notice together some things that the Lord has to say about an orderly society. And in this passage today, we're going to talk about two things which are really important for any society or culture. One is the family. What does God say about the family? What is God's design for the family? And the second would be the workplace. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And um, again, what we're reading was written in the first century, and it was written to people living in that culture. And uh, that doesn't mean that it doesn't apply to us today. It does. But maybe it applies to us in a slightly different way than it did then. Uh, today we're going to look together at the Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look... Uh, verse 18 uh, through chapter 4, verse 1. Before we actually get into the text, let me say this. Uh, for any society or any nation to prosper, there must be order. And uh, we're living in days of disorder. If you watch much TV, there seems like there's disorder everywhere. And... Uh, Protests are one thing. Chaos and disorder uh, is another. And we're seeing more and more of that in our culture. Someone has said that as the family goes, so goes any society. If there's anything that history has taught us, it's that as societies or nations prosper, they prosper during a time where there is order. Uh, where there are strong families and strong relationships in the workplace. And when those begin to crumble, the society, the culture, the nation begins to crumble as well. And uh, without becoming too negative today, I just want to say that uh, I believe that we are no longer sowing the seeds of that kind of uh, breakdown in our culture we are reaping the results of that seed being planted a long time ago. So with that in mind, let me read for you Colossians chapter 3. And the women particularly like this passage. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Then the workplace. Servants, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, employers, provide for your servants or employees with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master 
in heaven. To have an orderly society, we must, as I've already said, have a strong home or a strong family. It begins at home. The statistics are not very encouraging as we look at them these days in terms of what's going on in the American family. Um, as I was looking at this this week, I found these statistics just briefly. I won't bore you with a lot of statistics. And a lot of times statistics can be tweaked and made to say anything we want to say. So I want to avoid that. But today, four in ten out of ten babies are born to single mothers. Only 46% of children have a mother and father in their first marriage as they grow up. In other words, the majority of children are being raised in homes that, where there has been divorce and sometimes remarriage. Too many children today are growing up without a father who will teach them to respect authority. Who will teach them the proper way to treat their future wife. They are growing up without any real guidelines. Too many children are growing up primarily on their own. Without direction. Without nurturing. And without accountability. And we are seeing that more and more in our country. Even if you take away the terrible acts of terrorism or whatever it was this last week and even last, last night, um, in case you haven't read or heard anything, we had 50 people killed in Orlando last night shot apparently by one individual and there were about another 50 people who were injured and uh, I don't know whether it was an act of terrorism or just somebody just you know going off and doing something insane but too many times we have no respect for authority in our country because children have not been taught to respect Authority, and they have to be taught that. Having said that, let's turn what to, to take a look at the text in order. The first thing we see it says, "Wives, submit to your husbands." Um, in Ephesians, it tells us the same thing. Ephesians chapter five. We have an example of what the Lord means when He says this idea of submitting. It is a word, it's actually a military term, where someone puts themselves under the authority of, for instance, of a commanding officer. And it is a voluntary thing which is done by the person submitting to that authority. And God says that this is his design, that the wife would submit to your husband's. But I think we have an example in Scripture which will let you women breathe a little easier. In the Bible, God has revealed himself as one God, who has revealed himself in three persons. We refer to that as the Trinity. There is, within 
the Godhead or the Trinity a oneness. One God existing in three persons, all are equal. But there is a functional order to carry out the plan of redeeming mankind. When Jesus came to earth as God the Son and lived among us, we find this idea of submission to the Father. He never ceased being God. He was never inferior to God. But he willingly, for the sake of our redemption, put himself and sought the Father's leadership and direction in his life on what I find in Scripture a daily basis. So there is a functional order to carry out the plan of redeeming mankind. The husband and wife are personal equals, but there is functional order in the family to carry out God's plan for the family. That makes sense to you? Functional order. Why? Because somebody is to give leadership. There has to be leadership militarily. There has to be leadership in society. There has to be leadership in the home. And God says that the husband is the one to provide that leadership. He is responsible for that. Now, some people have taken these commands in this passage and in Ephesians 5. Some guys have taken that and carried it to extremes. The idea is, I'm in charge here. You just do what I say and we'll get along just fine. And that's their approach to the marriage relationship. First of all, I would say that that is impractical. And secondly, I would say it's foolish. It has nothing to do with the culture we live in. It has to do with the fact that in Scripture there is no implied or stated idea of inferiority in this command. There is equality in the eyes of God. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 28, it says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ. There is no difference in the eyes of God. Now, he knows I'm a male and my wife's a female. That's not the point. The point is there is no inequality. There is no inferiority. We are all equal in the eyes of God, whether we are a husband or a wife, whether we are a slave or whether we are free, whether we are Jew or whether we are Gentile. There is also no idea of blind obedience to the husband. 
I have known men who are so controlling in the marriage relationship that they dictate to their wife what her hairstyle is. They dictate to the wife her clothing, what she wears, what pictures hang on the wall. That is not what God has in mind. God does not give us men a license in this passage to be control freaks. God has created our wives, and he sees us as equal, and he wants us to nourish our wives, as we will see in a few moments. Men, our wives are a gift from God to us, not to blindly agree with us about everything, to do our laundry, cook our meals, and bear our children. They are partners with us, and we are wise if we value their input. What do you do if your wife disagrees with you? The first time my wife disagreed with me after we were married, which took about two hours. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it blew my mind. I mean, I was you know, ready to go, and I'm fairly impulsive, and I was ready to do something, and she kind of challenged me on it, and I, I was taken aback. I was raised in a family where my dad was definitely the leader in the home. My mom was very, very quiet. And I'm sure my mother at times questioned my dad behind closed doors. But I never saw my mom in any way really disagree with my dad while I was growing up. And so I just thought it was kind of automatic. that once you got married, that suddenly we would all have the same opinion about everything. And if you've been married very long, you know that that just ain't the way it is. It's a lot different than that. Um, I have learned now, after almost 50 years of marriage, to value the input of my wife, even if she disagrees with me. And if they disagree with us, we are wise to back off. And to pray together about the issue. And then to move ahead. But often it is us as men who initiate these things and try to give leadership in a particular direction. And our wife is our best counselor at times because they know us better than we know ourselves often. And uh, we are wise to value their input. Now I'll talk more about that in just a few moments. But in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, I found this summary of maybe what we're talking about here. He says, However, each of you must love his wife, talking to men, as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I think that's what we're talking about. We're talking about wives respecting their husbands, not disrespecting them. And there are ways that that can happen. Um, one way is to challenge your husband in public or to put him down in public. It's not a good idea. 
if you have something to say about it, say it privately when the two of you are together. Wives, willingly let your husband give leadership. Husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. Ephesians says, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The word love used in those passages is the kind of love that is a sacrificial love, a love that gives without expecting anything in return, a love that nourishes your partner, that cherishes your partner. Ephesians 5, 25-27, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The idea is that our relationship within the marriage is an illustration to the world of Christ's relationship with his church. And there is no question of who is to give leadership within the church, and that is the Lord Jesus. In 1 Peter verse three, or chapter 3, verse 7, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. Be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect. It's not just the wife who shows respect to her husband. The husband shows to show respect to his wife. As the weaker partner and as heirs with you, underline that, of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. I want to give you a little guarantee here, guys. If you love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, she will not have a problem with you demonstrating leadership within the family. She will not have any problem respecting you if you will love her sacrificially and demonstrate respect for her as the Lord has said. If you are, on the other hand, authoritarian, Harsh, controlling, you'll have a struggle on your hands. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16 talks about that. The Lord told Eve, after she had succumbed to temptation from Satan, that there would be a struggle uh, between her and Adam from that point on. And uh, that has existed now for thousands of years. When a man is challenged or disrespected by his wife, he will react negatively. I guarantee it. However, when you appeal to him, he will usually feel the weight of his responsibility and listen to what you have to say. 
And you may not agree with what he has to say or where he's headed because he's imperfect. But if you will appeal to him, as opposed to just challenge him on it, I guarantee you that he'll respond differently than if he were challenged by it. Husbands, love your wives. And don't be harsh with them. An orderly society begins in the home. And he goes on and says, Children, obey your parents in everything. Have you noticed that children have to be trained or taught to obey? They're not just going to do it on their own. Why? They want their way. And they have to learn respect for authority. And children learn respect for authority in general by learning to respect the authority of their parents. Why should children obey their parents? Because it pleases the Lord. Exodus 20, verse 12. One of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. He says if you'll honor your parents, you'll live longer. Now, does that mean that somehow God's going to change your genetic makeup and give you more years in your life? Well, I don't know. He can if he wants to. But I know this generally, that if children grow up and learn to obey their parents and respect their authority, and they respect the authority over them as they become adults, they'll live longer because they'll have less stress in their lives. They won't end up in prison, as a general rule. Um, they won't have confrontations with the police, as a general rule. And they will live longer in the land that the Lord their God has given them. I want to say this to you parents, particularly dads. Be reasonable with your children. If you want to discourage your children, be unreasonable with your demands and your expectations. Second thing, be consistent. Be consistent. If you have guidelines in your home and your family, be consistent with it. Don't change your mind all the time. And then I would say third thing is be united. Be reasonable, be consistent, and be united. What do I mean by that? That means mom and dad agree that uh, when something is said by, by dad about giving direction to the children, the mom's not challenging him in front of the kids. You know, for her to say, that was unreasonable, whatever your name is, Adam. Adam. Uh, you're being unreasonable. No, don't do that in front of the kids. Okay? Tell him in the bedroom later on. You know, you were kind of unreasonable with your demands, sir, in my opinion. Um, or appeal to him and say, do you think maybe you were just a little bit 
unreasonable with what you just said? Be reasonable, be consistent, be united with your kids. May they see agreement in terms of the authority in the home. And then we find a single thing for dads. Do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. I could take time this morning, and we don't have time, to go through a long list of things that will uh, discourage or embitter your children. Um, If you're wondering, just let me know, and I'll be glad to share it with you. The thing is, if we are unreasonable, if we are always just authoritarian, um, we will eventually embitter our children. So it begins in the home, but it extends to the workplace. He goes on in our text, verse 22 through chapter 4, verse 1. There must be order in the family. There must be order in the workplace. Somebody's got to give leadership. Now, he's talking here specifically to servants or slaves. Now, isn't it interesting that the Apostle Paul is not directed by the Holy Spirit to overturn the social order? It's interesting that in the church you had both slaves and their masters worshiping together. I cite for proof of that Onesimus, the slave, and and Philemon, the slave master. Onesimus ran away from Philemon, ended up in Rome. The apostle Paul led him to Christ, sent him back to Philemon with a letter, which we have in our Bibles called Philemon. And there's good instruction in there about how to deal with employees and employer relationships. He says, obey your earthly masters, verse 22. Why? Verse 23. And he also says, do your work wholeheartedly. Well, he gives, I think, three reasons. Verse 23 is this. Do it as working for the Lord, not for men. In other words, he's saying, if you are a believer and you are a slave or a servant, do your work as you're working for the Lord, not men. Second, verse 24, he says, you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. You're not only working for the Lord, the Lord will reward you. Then he says in verse 3, if you do wrong, you'll be repaid for it. In other words, the third reason is, if you don't do what's right and you do what is wrong, there'll be a price to pay for it. And don't think that God will overlook your wrong, but hold somebody else accountable. He says there's no favoritism with God. Now take a moment with me and think of your job. Let's try to put this in the context of our culture. If there is not somebody to give leadership where you work, 
If there is nobody in charge, I guarantee you there will be some really, really, really long coffee breaks. There will be a lot of people not showing up for work. There will be all kinds of people taking certain liberties where where they should not. There will eventually be chaos in your company. Somebody has to give leadership. There has to be somebody in charge. There is an order to it. Then he turns his attention to the masters or to the the bosses, those giving leadership. He says, provide your servants with what is right and fair. If you're an employer, provide your employees with what is right and fair. This was a revolutionary concept in the first century. Even as what the Lord Jesus taught about women and what the Apostle Paul wrote about wives, in the Roman culture and the Jewish culture of the first century, women had few rights, few legal rights. And basically they were there to do the laundry, cook the meals, and bear the children. So when he says, love your wives as Christ loved the church, love them sacrificially, nurture them, that was, that was elevating a place of women. It was revolutionary in the first century. The same thing is true as of the slave-master-slave relationship. This whole idea, concept of being fair, doing what is fair and right, for those who were under your control, that was a new concept. So Paul addresses masters, and he says, provide your servants with what is right and fair. Why? Because you know that you have a master in heaven. In other words, treat your employees as God treats you. There are a lot of people who try to divorce their Christian life and their Christianity from where they work in their workplace. But I can guarantee you that if you are an employer and you treat your people according to what is written here that work for you, you'll find a lot happier bunch of people working under you. Okay? So you need to uh, keep that in mind. Sometimes as you work in the workplace, you may have someone over you, an authority who is unreasonable. Uh, somebody that really doesn't care, does not seem to, to communicate that they, they really give a rip about how you're doing. Uh, I have people in my family none of my immediate family, my extended family, who have those kinds of bosses, employers over them. The people feel, under this person's leadership, feel absolutely devalued. They don't feel that there's any respect. And they're hanging in there 
by their fingernails to stay with it at the workplace because they all feel like just quitting, walking out. They're discouraged. It's too bad. It's too bad. It doesn't have to be that way. But if you are under someone like that, God says, show them the respect that they deserve. Do your work, not for them, but for the Lord. Because you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. And if you do wrong, there'll be a price to pay. Let those things motivate you in your job. And again, if you are an employer, show respect to your employees. Um, Remember that you have someone who is your master as well. One of the things that uh, I really believe is that ignoring God's design will eventually produce disorder, dysfunction, and chaos in any family, in any workplace, in any society. In our society today, having rejected God as a nation, we're beginning to see the price of that. But that does not have to carry over into our homes. As we put ourselves under God's design for the family and really care for each other and nurture each other, show respect for each other, and men, as we give the leadership that God has said is our responsibility. And that is spiritual leadership, not just the one who calls the shots. We're responsible for the spiritual condition of our wives and our families. And if we will put ourselves under God's authority and God's design, what goes on in our culture does not have to be reflected in our homes. How does your home measure up to God's design? I have no idea because I don't have your house bugged. But the Lord knows. Maybe there's some changes that need to take place in your family. It's right here in black and white. It's written down for us. The Lord has given it to us. Lord, give us the grace and the courage and the strength and the patience to live our lives in our families, in our workplace, as you have designed. That you would be honored and glorified by how we treat each other, behind closed doors that our children would be trained and understand respect for authority because they respect us and Lord that as we go to work we would put ourselves under the authority of those over us 
and show respect for them. And as we do our work, that we would do our work knowing that we're doing it ultimately for you. And even though we may not understand how fixing a broken pipe or building a building or programming a computer or managing a project is something that we can do for you, you say that we can. Because the way we do it and the attitude that we have as we do it is a way of reflecting the character of Jesus Christ. May you help us do that this week. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.